Hello, Physiology 2130. This is podcast episode number four. The content on today's podcast is covering module five, looking at muscle. My name's Dr. Anita Woods. I'm your host. I hope you guys all had a great Thanksgiving weekend. I know I did. There was a lot of pumpkin pie and a whole lot of turkey. And whenever we're done with Thanksgiving, it's time to start thinking about those muscles and finding those muscles again. I asked for you guys in your weekly learning activity to draw a sarcomere and to label a sarcomere. I cheated a little bit and used this one from the internet, but the reason I did is I think it just really shows some of the great details that are present in the sarcomere. So let's look at this sarcomere and look at the different labels and all of this information you should find on your CD. So here is our sarcomere. And there are two major structures that you should be able to identify right away, and that's the thick myofilament and the thin myofilament. Now the thick myofilament is made up of myosin molecules, and the thin myofilament, which looks a little bit thinner, is made up of actin molecules. There are other structures also involved that were labeled on the sarcomere, and I just want you to be familiar with where they're found because it's important when we're looking at contractions. And that is we have the structure right here called the Z-line. And in this diagram, it looks straight. Uh, the diagram on your CD, it shows it like a zigzag, uh, looking like a Z-shape. So the Z-line is found on this side and on the far other side of the thin myofilament here. So from Z-line to Z-line, that is considered our sarcomere. Okay, so the sarcomere is the distance between one Z-line to another and our thin myofilaments are attached to that sarcomere, or to that Z-line. There are other structures that I want you to be familiar with. So the myosin, or thick myofilaments, are centered around this thing called the M-line. So down the center of the sarcomere is the M-line. We also have something called the H-zone, and it's the gap in between uh, the thin myofilaments on the inside, so from this thin myofilament to this thin myofilament, that's considered the H-zone. We also have an A-band, which is the distance from one side of a thick myofilament to the other side of the thick myofilament. And then the space between the thick myofilament and the Z-line is called the I-band. Now this is a diagram showing a sarcomere at rest, so we're not in a contraction phase. This diagram is showing you what a contraction would look like with respect to the thick and thin myofilaments. So we have in this picture here a muscle at rest. Here's a sarcomere, so the distance between uh, one Z-line to the other. So Z-line here to this Z-line over here. Now when we start contracting our muscles, what happens is that the thick myofilament, if you remember from the CD, is going to grab on to the thin myofilament, shown here in the gray thin line, and it's going to slide the thin myofilament over the thick myofilament. So in this more progressive contraction, we see more of the thin myofilament overlapping with the thick myofilament. So notice a couple of really important things. In a muscle contraction, the length of the thick myofilament and the length of the thin myofilament 
don't change. We don't have a shortening of either the thick or, or the thin myofilament. What happens is the thick and thin myofilament overlap more during a contraction. Because they're overlapping more, other structures are changing. So the distance between one said line to another get closer together. We also have the length of the H zone. So from the inside of one thin myofilament to the other. This gets progressively shorter during a contraction. And also the I-band, so the distance from the outside of one thick myofilament to the Z-line, that structure will also get shorter. Okay, so if you were to look at this under a microscope, some of the bands or zones are getting shorter and others don't change in size at all, like the A-band. Remember the A-band is the distance from one end of one thick myofilament to the end of the other. Because our thick myofilament does not change in length, the A-band also does not change in length during a contraction. Now there's a lot more detail we learned on the CD about how the thick and the thin myofilament uh, move across, across each other and how we get the sliding of one molecule over the other. And this diagram is similar to what you have on the CD. And I'm going to go over it with you again just to make sure we understand what's happening. So here we have again the thick myofilament or the myosin. And remember that myosin has a special shape. It has this head structure here. And then it also has a hinge region. It's like the flexible, bendy part of the myosin molecule. And it's the myosin head that's going to interact with the thin myofilament or the actin. Now, in order for the thick and thin myofilament to slide across each other, you have to have a physical interaction between the two. So you have to actually have binding of the thick myofilament to the thin myofilament in order to get the two of the two molecules to slide across each other. So at rest, and this is position here, position one, what happens is that the thick and thin myofilament cannot interact with each other. Okay, so we have no interaction, no binding of the two together. And the reason is one of the molecules is unavailable. And the molecule that's unavailable is the thin myofilament. Do you guys remember how the thin myofilament is kept unavailable in this state? I hope you said tropomyosin. So we have this, these protein complexes that bind on the thin myofilament or that are present on the thin myofilament that make it unavailable at rest. So at rest, tropomyosin is covering the part of the actin molecule that needs to interact with myosin. So tropomyosin is a protein that gets in the way of the thin and thick myofilament from interacting. Now in this diagram, actin is unavailable, but the myosin is actually available and ready to move. And the reason why it's ready is that we have just energized the myosin head and ATP has given energy to put the myosin molecule at the right place or in the right position. 
So in this picture, the myosin head is ready to go because it has just received energy from ATP. So here you see in the diagram we have the remainder of ATP. So when ATP gives energy, it turns into ADP and an inorganic phosphate, that leftover phosphate molecule. So energy has just been delivered to the myosin head and it's ready to interact with the actin molecule. Now remember, in order to get tropomyosin to get out of the way, we need calcium. So calcium has to be present. And what calcium does is it binds to a complex on tropomyosin. And remember, this complex is called the troponin complex. And one of those troponin complexes, or one of those proteins in the troponin complex, is called troponin C. So troponin C, when it binds with calcium, will cause the movement of tropomyosin off of the special part in the actin molecule. Okay, so calcium present in the muscle causes tropomyosin to get out of the way. So tropomyosin moves out of the way, and as soon as it moves out of the way, the myosin head can bind to the actin. So myosin binds actin right away. And this interaction causes a very special thing to happen in tropomyosin. Sorry, let me rewind. This interaction of myosin and actin causes a very special thing to happen in the myosin molecule. And the special thing that happens is that myosin is going to change shape. So myosin changes shape. And I like to think about it like a flexing arm. It's like when you've taken your arm and you've extended it out. And when you flex that bicep, you're changing the shape of your arm. It's just like the change shape that happens with myosin. If myosin interacts with actin, it causes myosin to change shape, causing the sliding of the actin, thin myofilament, over top of the thick myofilament. So it's like you're sliding or pulling or pushing a piece of rope. And you're causing the two structures to, to shift across each other or to slide across each other. Now, in order to move the thin myofilament even more, what we need to happen is a recycling of the entire process. So in order to recycle everything, we need ATP. So ATP is the energy that's necessary to bind to the myosin head. So ATP will bind to the myosin head. And once it binds to the myosin head, it gives its energy and causes the myosin to reset and move back into the original position. So now, if the tropomyosin gets out of the way, we can have another cycle of excitation coupling. I always like to put everything together and connect things. And you learned about the neuromuscular junction. And this would be a perfect time to talk about how muscles and nerves are connected. So here we have a neuron. And when we have a neuron that's interacting with the muscle, it's called a motor neuron. And this is a neuron that comes from the brain. And its job 
is to make muscles contract when we tell those muscles to contract. So it's a control that comes from the brain that's telling our muscle to contract. So the motor neuron, once it's been activated, what's the language of the action? What's the, I've given it away. What's the language of a neuron? The language is the action potential. So an action potential is propagating down the motor neuron and it reaches this axon terminal. And once it reaches the axon terminal, we get the movement of synaptic vesicles, which contain a neurotransmitter. And in a neuromuscular junction, the neurotransmitter is acetylcholine. So acetylcholine is released from the motor neuron. It crosses the synapse. Oh, this is all sounding familiar. And once that neurotransmitter reaches its target, which is the sarcolemma or the cell membrane of the muscle, acetylcholine is going to bind to ligand-gated uh, sodium channels. Okay, so it's a ligand-gated sodium channel. And a ligand is a chemical, so it's another way to say chem it's another way to say chemically gated sodium channel. Acetylcholine is the key. So like a lock and key, if acetylcholine is present, it binds to the ligand-gated sodium channels that are present on this sarcolemma or on the end plate. And the binding of acetylcholine allows for sodium to move into the muscle cell. So sodium comes in, and this is causing what? Depolarization. And a depolarization causes voltage-gated sodium channels. So deeper in this cell membrane, we have voltage-gated sodium channels. And these voltage-gated sodium channels open quickly, allowing lots of sodium in. So now we have a rapid depolarization of that muscle cell. And this depolarization or action potential now is going to travel down the cell membrane. And muscle cells are really special in that they have these structures called T-tubules. And T-tubules are invaginations of the cell membrane deep into the muscle cell. So it lets the change in the voltage spread down deep into the muscle cell really quick. And the T-tubules are traveling past a special structure called the sarcoplasmic reticulum. And in the sarcoplasmic reticulum in muscle cells, we have lots of calcium. So once we have activation of the cell membrane, we're getting the transfer of an action potential. Calcium is quickly released from the sarcoplasmic reticulum. And remember what calcium is important for in the muscle. Calcium can then go and bind to troponin C. And once calcium binds to troponin C, tropomyosin moves away. So we have the movement away of the tropomyosin. And then we get excitation coupling. We get the sliding of the thick and thin filaments against each other. So the myosin head can interact with the thin myofilament or the actin. It can cause the myosin head to then move and slide the thin myofilament. And then we get a recycling of the whole event. We need another molecule of ATP to come 
and cause the myosin head to go back to its ready position. And if we get another action potential, more calcium can come back in and recycle and do this all over again. Okay, it's all starting to connect. It's really important that all of the modules that you're learning now, all of the basic modules from modules one to four really make sense because it's going to come up again. Have a great week.